Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you done yet? We're going to start the show. Bobby Orr, behind the left of Sanderson, to Orr! Bobby Orr! Orr from the Boston Bulls! 30 seconds left in the period, the Bruins are short-handed. Ray Bork. fans welcome back to the black and gold hockey podcast this is episode 152 sponsored by betonline.ag we're recording on november 3rd 2019 let me tell you this is ex- this is just an exciting time to be a boston bruins fan and to and to just jump in and help me um uh orchestrate this uh this podcast episode 152 is my friend and longtime co-host even though we've only been around since June. Yeah. But Seems Heather like Ingerson, what's going on, Heather? Nothing. Bruins are 10-1-2, man. Like, how can you not be happy about that? I mean, there are things like we can talk about, but yeah, it's a good time to be a Bruins fan. It's, it's I call it filthy, filthy disgusting, it, how this team is playing. That right was a now. good October. We're yeah. not usually this good in October. 9-1-2 in October, and you kick off the, the November month with a with a... A decent win. Well, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that right now. Uh, let's just jump right into this episode. Uh, last week's game action. It was three games, um, and and some pretty 
I thought were going to be challenging games, except for the last one of the week um, for this Boston Bruins team that w- seemingly I've been waiting for them to like really get a tough test. But obviously keeping the streak alive and everybody's point streak and going along uh, is important. So um, jump right into the, the game on Sunday, October 27th against the New York Rangers. Um, didn't start off very well, in my opinion. Um, Rangers get on the board at 10:19, midway through the first period, um, and then the uh, the Bruins obviously did not like uh, going playing, kind of lackluster in the first period against the Rangers, who I thought would be a better team this year than they are with the acquisitions of Panarin and so on, but. The Bruins come into the second period, which is traditionally not their very good period. But they've been playing well in yeah. the second period. But yes, exactly. But they really made a, a point of uh, of turning those tides and um, got on the board with Bergeron scoring his third at the 11, 11 second mark of the second period, which tied the game at one, uh, assisted by Pasternak and Marchand. Shocker. Yep. And then Buddy Buddy system. Comes right back. Brad Marchand scores his sixth from Pasternak and Carlo at the 108 mark of the second period, giving the Boston Bruins a two to one lead. Charlie Coyle comes in, gets his first of the season, which was unbelievable, uh, by from McAvoy and Chara at the 927 mark of the second, giving them a three to one lead. And again, this line is just ridiculously good. Brad Marchand uh, scores his seventh from Coyle and DeBrusque at 12.09 of the second, giving the Bruins a commanding 4-1 to lead. Um, so then going into the, uh, the third period, it was a little little sketchy. It, they really let the, the, uh, the Rangers get back into this game uh, just a little bit. But uh, Zidane Chara gets his second goal of the year at the 43-second mark. Starting these periods off really fast is really good. just shows that you need that 15-18 minute break in between periods to rest up. But uh, he gets his second from Pasternak and Carlo. And uh, then Busnevitz scores. Uh, and Bergeron gets his fourth from Marchand and Pasternak at the 11:39. And then the Rangers score two more, and then Bergeron tops it off uh, with the Hatte. Is that a hat trick? I think so. One, Looks two. like it to me, second period, it one is, and two in the a, third. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was, the last one was the empty netter, yeah, but it's still a hat trick. That's why I get confused. It within regulation. So he gets the hat trick in his fifth of the season from Marchand and Pasternak at the 1915 mark of the third, topping off a 7-4 to victory. Wow. Um... A lot of weird things in this game. Henrik Lundqvist was terrible. Yeah, which but, is not usually he's not the problem. <laughs> right, he's the one that he, the saving grace of that team and, I love and that the backbone. Team. No, he's a great goaltender. But uh, no, it's it's good to that the Bruins got off to the uh, this week with a huge win on Sunday. Um, uh, what did I write? Oh, I thought it was a good game, but I thought it was a tighter game than the score showed. Like, I, I agree with you. I feel like this week with the teams we played, the teams you thought weren't going to be as h- hard to play against actually turned out to be the bigger challenges for them. Yeah. Uh, it, as for, which is good, because they need more. Can't just steamroll, although they've been steamrolling at home, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Uh, 
But I do think it was thing. I do want to point out, though, because you could always bring up the five-on-five, five, that six of the seven goals were five-on-five five goals. Yeah. Minus Bergeron's empty netter, which obviously the power play is our forte or whatever, but that's good. That kind of speaks that. And uh, Yarrow, maybe not his best, but they've been so good. Like, the gold hang is hard to say that. But still, he let up. That's the game, like you said, it went back and forth. We stunk in the we first period. We 25 and 29, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty good. So, I, those are the things that I wrote. Like, you know, it was a lot tighter than if you didn't watch the game or a replay or something if you didn't see it. Uh, but that also shows you that, like everyone's been talking about, the Rangers, Jersey, teams like that, they have all the fixings to become a good team, just they're nowhere near there. Because there's a lot of teams that are supposed to be at the top that also look like the Rangers do right now, so case in point we'll talk about the Tuesday game but yeah that's what I it was good that there was five on five scoring yes it was versus the Rangers but still the Rangers like they have some good people they just aren't playing well right at all so that's all I have to say about the Rangers game um important note that I just saw back on, back. on yeah yes, nhl.com was uh Charlie Coyle uh given um a little more of a leadership role in this game um uh, when it comes to minutes uh he he had a total time of 20 minutes on ice, and that was uh, a minute 48 of power play time and 2.46 of shorthanded time. Um, and by far, I mean, Bergeron had 18.08, so that I don't know if that is a relevant stat at all, but I think to me it shows that, you know, how much importance he is on this team and his puck possession skills for that matter. He, um, de- he averages somewhere between like 16 and 20. Depends on the situation. Well, obviously, like this game, there wasn't a lot of power play time. Oh, that was something else I wanted to bring up. Marshawn has got a lot of penalties this week. Like, I get you getting a lot of points too, buddy, but there's a fine line between good Marshy and bad Marshy, and yeah. I just don't want you to cross that line. Yeah, absolutely. Except for I, on Tuesday. Everybody lost their minds on Tuesday, so. We love to get in your face action and so on, mm-hmm. but it, when it when it requires that you go to the box and, and your 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 skill mm-hmm. is not on the ice, yeah, that's an issue. Like the Rangers might not be the, playing their best, but you don't want to keep letting them go on the power play either because although we've been sick on the PK, right? All right, keep going. So that's that. Rangers beat you. Done. That was on the road at Madison Square Garden. So we move on to Tuesday, October 29th. The Boston Bruins were at TD Garden hosting the San Jose Sharks. And San Jose's not been doing very well at all this Mm -hmm. year. Very sad to see with all that talent on that team. I know you're going to hit on a number sooner or later. Um, But the uh, special night, it was Hockey Fight Fight Mm Scanter. We'll talk about a very special person uh, later on in the topic agenda. Um, but we'll, we'll hit on that because that, that's just an unbelievable thing. Um, but the Boston Bruins go stay at TD at home, and they continue their hot, hot streak at home, um, getting uh, two, uh, on the board in the first period from goal, two goals from David Pasternak, scores his 12th from Bergeron at the 749 mark of the first period. David Krejci returns to the lineup, gets his... Out first at the 1751 mark from Krug and Marshan. What an impact, immediate impact on his uh, arrival into the lineup. Um, second period, the San Jose Sharks get back, they get closer, uh, but and then it just got ridiculous after that. Charlie Coyle scores a second uh, from Krejci and Heinen at the 521 mark. Chris Wagner gets his first from Backus at 831. In the second, 
And Brandon Carlo uh, gets his second from Wagner and Chara at 1650. And Carlo's been playing really good lately. He woke back up around the St. Louis game. That's what I felt like. Remember we talked yeah, about training camp's last over. Week. Training camp's over well, now. That's, yeah, now Hopefully this, this continues. Just like uh, Charlie McAvoy w- is waking up a little. Maybe not point production hasn't happened yet, but like all the other little things that he's been trusted to do, he's getting in his groove there. He's not so defensive was, liable anymore. I was actually thinking, look at Chara. How many points do you think the captain's going to end up with? He's on pretty good. You know, like, he hasn't looked this point productive in a while. And, is there a milestone coming up? Uh, he just has his... 1500 game and a thousand game as a Bruin, and I will, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. That's we'll a lot. We'll keep you updated on that. Well, one. because he's going into like the NHL record books at this point. It's not even about him being an awesome captain. Love him or hate him, he's going to be in the top like 20 easy, maybe even the top 15 by the end of the season, barring uh, any injuries. Tuka Rask had a uh, relatively light night, uh, stopping 16 of 17, and he continues to be hot. I'm sure, we'll talk about him later on. Um, this was just a, a pretty much a face wash and, and dirty game. Uh, um, it was a very punchy game. That's one of the things I, like, they were... Vander Kane's it, like it's Oh, my gosh. I, okay. I, Sorry. Why'd you have to bring him up? I, I didn't mean to. More towards it. <laughs> okay, well, I just want to know, do we want to talk about what I want to talk about us, or do you want me to say what I think about San Jose right now? Let's hit, let's hit on, let's, let's, let's go fast on the us. Okay. And then hit... So this is what I'm thinking about us. Good game. Generally, we were still playing our game, but it was a very chippy game from the get-go, which usually is. I mean, it's not like it's not a tough game. They get, you know... But they are a team that is almost in crisis mode, and they're playing like it, and that's not going to help San Jose. But really, everything was fine, but what was it, like around the 12-minute mark or 8-minute mark or so in the third? All of a sudden, everyone started losing their minds, fights, everyone's getting penalty. It was like, everything was fine, right? Chara gets a roughing, DeBrus gets a trip, next thing you know... Richie's got a game misconduct and a fighting Barclay. He, uh, what's his name, Goodrow there. He got matching penalties with Richie. Then Brad Marchand and Logan Couture go at it. Another 10-game minute, 10-game misconduct. They each got a roughing because, like, that that really matters after a 10-game <laughs> misconduct at 13:25. Then, of course, Evander Kane, who just sucks. I, I just hate Evander Kane. I hate him. I'm sorry. Okay. He asked for it all the time. With us, uh, I think that, it's good to see them continue to steamroll at steamroll at home because we've we're actually usually a better road team than we are a home team. So at least this point in the season, you know, so that's good. And I think it's good with the secondary scoring keeps yeah, keeps on that's... like you can see it from bottom to top, goalie to top line, the production line. That's right, trade market, trade market. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just think that Krejci. I think even if he's as powerful as he is just what he does skill-wise, I think his presence just makes... I feel like it takes the pressure off of Patrice Bergeron. It takes the pressure off of all those people who have to slot where they're not necessarily their most comfortable. You know, just all of that. Like, and I mean, he had a good production day, though. You know, nice to have you back. Missed you. But uh, it does also remind me, though, like when the person I had heard on a different podcast said, like, Krejci's so good if you don't score in his line, it's you, not him. And I'm like, really? Because for 10 years, we've been hearing the rotating second line gripe. So, I mean, I love Krejci. I'm not saying it's his fault if people aren't producing, but I also don't think he's so magical without 
you know, chemistry. He needs that, support, too. Yeah, exactly. Like, the poor guy, like, he has had a decade of service of just kind of like, all right, just what's going on? Who's today? Oh, hey, what's up? Haven't Welcome to you. Worcester, dollar okay. twenty-five, please. <laughs> all right, so that's all I really uh, How about have the on that. All right, I don't... I think the thing with the bad with us was how we let the Sharks' frustration drop. Like, instead of having matching penalties, we should have been on the power play about a bazillion times. But instead, we lost our heads, too, and that's not good either. You never want your whole, like... You don't want everyone kicked out of the game in the last 10 minutes of the game because that game was not... Three was, players on the bench, I counted? Yeah, it's like, yeah, oh, it was... Not a good It look. was messy. Also, though, I mostly want to focus on the Sharks right now. Let's hear it. First of all... Evander Kane is disgusting. Just, I don't know him, okay? And just so you know, when I voice my opinion, everyone, to be fair, I don't know these people. When I speak of them, I speak of who I see represented as they represent themselves, as their organization, their place. I've never heard anyone say they like playing with Evander Kane. Like, oh, gee, yeah. Like, when people say Kaner, they're not talking about him. They're talking about the other Kane. You know what I'm saying? He asks for it all the time. I hated him when he was on a lit, like, him and stuff. And I just, ah, like, too much ego, but, like, too much douchebaggery on that And even when he was young. And Evander Kane has just got worse and worse. He gets suspended. Like, he just, he's not a good person. He's the way you, like, I hate a, like I said, a Claude Lemieux, and I hate a Matt Cook, and those type of human He's beings. a reflection of Brad Marchand in the playing sense, not the douchebaggery. Right. Like, you think Marshall well, is a douchebag. Douche like, but this, is no, too, like but this is Evander Kane's two MOs. We're showing up I'm the victim or draw 10-minute game misconduct kind of shit. Like, he's just not well-behaved. You can't train certain people, and he, he won't... It just don't feel like he could be the type of person that could be a good teammate and not. No matter how he is. He, he's like how P.K. Subban used to be, right? You have all this talent. Why do you have to be a dick? Yeah. But then he grew up, and he's not as douchey now, right? Evander Kane hasn't grown up. He's had a lot more time than P.K. Subban to learn that lesson, and I just don't like him as a human. Not that he was the only one misbehaving, uh, but like right. I said, I did not like that we lost our minds. Also, I'd like to say, San Jose, as your goaltending is kind of rough and ugly, There's sorry, no about sorry our backup is better than your starter, Maybe you shouldn't have paid thirty-one and a half plus million dollars to six players that aren't helping your no offense, Martin Jones, mediocre goaltender. Yeah. Or ironically, obviously, because four of those six players are some of the best quote unquote defense you know, the best quote unquote defensemen in hockey, maybe they should do their fucking job instead of everybody losing their shit. Although Brett Burns, you did get a power play goal, got the only goal for your team, so I don't know if that makes you the Norse winner, but Norse winner or whatever, but uh, get it together, dude. Like, whatever is San Jose, how did you fall apart that bad I'm over Pete the boy is not fired by now. That's what I'm saying is everyone's job is up at stake. Like, by trade deadline, coach is going to be gone. Half of you are going to be gone. Like, I mean, Patrick Marlowe's not magic. <laughs> you can't make it all come back together. Also, this is why don't just trade your captain just to trade your captain. Like, I just... The morale is not good in San Jose no, right now. Not. And before you all jump into the Pacific Ocean, I think it's important that you have a teen, a, a teen dinner or something and discuss about how to fix it. 
It worked for St. Louis. They won a Stanley Cup. Maybe that will help you win a Stanley Cup, but sorry, Jumbo Joe. It's not looking like you're going to get one last run at it. Do you think uh, that was his bet last in Boston? Uh, I say probably because the running joke in my head is who will retire first, Joe Thornton or... Uh, Patrick Marlowe. Or Patrick Marlowe or Zdeno Chara. Oh, yeah. But I think we might see it one more time. It's hard to say, though, because San Jose is a hot mess. Like, he might get yeah. traded in two weeks. I don't yeah, know what's true. going on. Or he might get so frustrated. That he just <laughs> I'm sorry to, to rant, but, like, that that game, for us, I thought we played all right. But then once everyone started losing their heads, like, you can't get like that. You can't be the instigator. It's like, I want you guys to stay, you know, I want you to be stand-up teammates. But I also don't want, just because the other team is having a full breakdown on the other side of the ice and the way they start conducting business doesn't give you liberty to also also shame on the refs because it starts with them they should have never let people stop keep snipping at each other yeah. until it blew up because once it blew up like i said it like steamrolled it was like everything whistle. was all right all right it was like a kind of a bitchy kind of game and then all of a sudden it just, it just yeah Woo! Well, it's because I, I, my opinion about that game, I think that we had the lead and it was a slap in San Jose's face. So they took advantage of that and they brought it back to us. You know, so if we can't beat you on the scoreboard, we'll yeah. beat you up. As frustrated teams do. We've been right there. there. We've been there as a team. I've seen it where we just... Remember, Tuke used to smash sticks yeah. and like thing and just... Throw milk jugs. You're not good at that. Or, yeah. Uh, so moving on to the last... Game of the week mm -hmm. was last night against the Ottawa Senators at TD Garden. Uh, David Pasternak gets on the board with his 13th uh, at 117. That was from Krug. Uh, San Jose, I mean San Jose. Uh, Ottawa ties it up. And we go to the second period. Patrice Bergeron gets his 6th from Pasternak at Marchand at 151. Again, starting, starting periods, early scoring. Uh, that was the second period from Pasternak and Marshawn, like I said. And Ottawa comes back. So the third period, Danton Heining gets his third unassisted at 5.43 of the third. Marshawn gets his eighth from Pasternak and Bergeron at 6.50 of the third. And Jake DeBrus gets his second from Heinen at 16.16 to wrap up this game. And 5-2 win over the Ottawa Senators. Tuka Rask had 30 saves on 32 shots, and he continues to be absolutely red hot. The best goaltender in the league right now, according to numbers, not wins. Mark under Fleury's got that pretty much wrapped up, but the other numbers are good. It was 9 for 9 on the power play. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Tuka, they, they're awesome. I mean, I can't, I don't know. It's weird. This is a Bruins podcast, so of course we're like, we love the Bruins, but no, really, everyone else is starting to love the Bruins, too. Well, they hate them, but they also love them. They're starting to be a little jealous of, Everything. they're good. We're trucking. They ah. are, and that's the thing. And I just want everyone to know, I am a realist. I by no means think that, well, I hope, like I said, there's nothing I hate more than trying to avoid the president's trophy who wants to be number two i do because number one never wins in the national hockey league <laughs> so uh point. yeah i just it's like too good to be it's starting to feel too good to be true to me and this makes me nervous that things will come up but i'm gonna try to be optimistic kind of against my better nature but things are looking good you know like it's easy to just say yes 
past is going to get 50. Well, he may very go. He's on. He's definitely getting like 112 points. But like I said, I don't want to be the Tampa Bay of last year. We are already the Boston Bruins of last year. It's hard not being right. that pressure. We can't be us losing to St. Louis and then becoming the next Tampa. I can't handle that. But uh, the good news is they're steady enough that normally on the flip side, we play so crappy at the beginning of the year that we're all like biting our nails from January to March 1st or whatever. So waiting to see what happens at the tread, like begging and hoping things will work out. But we're looking pretty solid and they're just just warming up. And, and just warming up, great segue, by the way. we got to get to an ad read. And, we'll, and then after that, we'll talk about the upcoming games. Because if you want to place well, a bet on the upcoming games... Yeah, we'll get back to that past the bet. So, yeah, just get on to betonline.ag. The uh, Boston Bruins are a month into their 2019-20 regular season. Uh, the New England Patriots are halfway through their 2019 football regular season, and the Boston Celtics just started their 2019-20 campaign. So placing a wager on any professional sport in Boston has never been more exciting than with the great folks at betonline.ag. You can place a wager on action in the American Hockey League, the National Hockey League, Major League Baseball, the uh, National Basketball Association, NFL, NASCAR, and many other popular worldwide sports. And guess what? Because your loyal listeners of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and CLNS Media Content, we're giving you a 50% bonus on to your sports betting bankroll. When you go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50, this added bonus is only for your first ever deposit, and the best part is the bonus is added onto your balance within seconds. Again, support the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast by going to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. Please remember a minimum of $55 is required to qualify for the bonus. Please see BetOnline's general rules for additional terms, conditions regarding bonuses. Don't sit on the sidelines during your favorite Boston sports seasons, Heather. Get in all the action on betonline.ag, your online sports wagering experts. Um, yeah, so Bruins got kind of a, uh, a tough, nah, I don't know about a tough schedule, but it's, it's the back-to-back. Um, Monday, right? The starting Monday at TD Garden against the Pittsburgh Penguins, who seem to be on the rise and doing much better than they started. And then Tuesday, one of my favorites. Je Montreal. Yes. The, no, I don't the, know what I'm watching. Yeah. Canadians do Montreal. The Boston Bruins move, go up to Montreal for a battle at the Bell Center against the Canadians. Then they have two days off. It seems like we're getting like midweek freaking breaks all the time. And they, you know, I want to bring that up real quick right now. These little breaks, like three days last week and three days the week before that, pisses me off. To think that you got all this time in the in the beginning of the season, but you still have a mandatory freaking bye week, which is absolutely stupid in my opinion. You want to put that? I've said this on many podcasts. You want to put that bye week? Put it in the holidays, so you can spend attention on the World Juniors, and uh, and folks can go home and see their kids and family. I don't see why we wouldn't go to Montreal on Monday and then go to Pittsburgh for two on Wednesday. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It hits Detroit on Friday. It just seems like that would make a more sense to me. Right. And then the okay. to finish off the week or our freaking our week that we talk about on the weekly here at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, uh, they play the Detroit Red Rings on Friday, November eighth. 
So uh, that should be a W right there because the red wings. Red wings are not very good. No, they are not. But neither are the Rangers. And like I said, that was the tightest game we had to play this week. Yeah, the uh, Detroit Red Wings are four ten and one, and uh, yeah, that's terrible. So the Montreal Canadiens are not really much better at seven five. Um, they are four and two on the road. So that kind of, a, I don't know, something good for them. I don't want anything good for them. Uh, but the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins are also, they're sitting in the wild card position right now, 8-5-1. And, um, and they are 3-2-0 and oh away from, I'm going to call it the igloo. I don't even know. It's, I think it's like some kind of paint. Uh, paint. Pittsburgh I Paints? I don't know. I stopped caring about what they were Arena called. Names. When they yeah. stopped having them named after locations so, and people. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, no game's going to be easy, so Little if it, it looks Center. like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the, uh, it, it's okay. it's going to be a challenging week no matter what, but it seems to benefit uh, when they have a little bit of a break. It sucks for us, but it is, it, it benefits them, so, um, yeah. Uh, what we did not talk about uh, in the pre-game, I mean, in the game discussions from last week was the accident last night. Mm -hmm. I wanted to save that one because I didn't want to extend that any longer but um we do want to talk about scott saverin and the in the collision he had with uh david backus last night um at td garden which was which was kind of scary and Very and scary. emotional whether you were in the crowd or even uh, sitting with watching the game with your family at home um it was just something i'd never want to see uh, again actually but um it was just one of those i mean scott saverin was coming through center ice finishing a check on on David Backus, and unfortunately, the collision it looked like they knocked their heads together, and um, and Saverin kind of went out of it at that moment, yeah, and then hit up. the ice. So, um, obviously, thoughts and prayers to him. Um, he did uh, tweet or, or send a picture out of his stitches and his face. His face is all messed up. It looks like his teeth are all are kind of broken up, um, but. He seemed to look in somewhat happy, you know, spirits and, and, and excite and sent a message to say that he's looking forward to getting back and recovering. So that's a positive sign. But damn, that was just a... It was scary. Yeah. That's a, just like I was saying before, it's a healthy reminder what happens when you put two strong, solid, grown men on ice and they smash into each other. And it was not, nothing at fault. He was going to check Bacchus. Bacchus braced, and just the way they collided when they hit each other at the high speeds in which they do travel, yep. it just, I feel, and same thing, David Bacchus, I mean, whether he might not also be under, you know, whatever, upper body injury, but I think mostly he just needed a break, and I can understand why he couldn't get back. You know what I mean? You Very rarely do you see both teams standing over by a stretcher. Usually when you're waiting to see what happens, like I said, you know, everyone kneels yeah. respectfully and you wait and you let the other team, maybe the captain or somebody or maybe the, you know, player like Bacchus would be over there. But last night it was scary. The whole arena, yeah. everyone at home. Stay quiet. So Much respect. I, and Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. I, I, I didn't want to not mention David Bacchus and his role in this collision and what he did um, well, or took. took um, his head got rattled, obviously, whether it be an emotional thing because of what happened or um, it physically got yeah, rattled because be of his, his, his past history. So 
Uh, thoughts go out to him and his family, obviously. But what got me about the whole thing when Bacchus was, after it happened, was the immediate response to the bench, which was awesome, waving emergency staff over because he knew that once he looked at him, he's like, Scott yeah, needs like help. He went to skate and then he saw him from the other side. Just like, hey, get over yeah. here. But as, as the players were around Saverin and just there, uh, the, both benches cleared. Um, which is a class act moment, uh, just to think the best for him and, and what happened. But uh, to see Bacchus on one knee, and it looked like he was, like, dry heaving. You know what I mean? When I get nervous, when I was ner playing goal, yeah. it's a stale air on the mask, which, which sucked anyway. But, you know, hey, on ice, it's just sometimes things happen. And uh, he took it, uh, you know, to heart, which was, yeah. well, as, a, as a human being, man, that's touching. Well, like you said, I mean, he too smashed himself pretty good, but also just yeah. being rattled by the moment. Everyone was rattled, so, I mean, it's good that Saburn was, you know, he has movement in his extraordinary thing. He's yeah. apparently sending out, like, you know, I mean, obviously he's injured currently, but he, no official that word. he seems to be in better spirits, and he's not paralyzed right. or anything, and... If he's concussed, it's totally understandable, everything else. But yeah. I'm just glad to see that he is up and communicating on his own volition. And As we record this on November 3rd, there's no report on Bacchus. So on no pictures or anything like that, I'm sure something will come out later on, possibly even tomorrow when um, doctors really get involved with the, uh, you know, later on injuries and so on. And, and if he's in concussion protocol... You know, there's seven days right there. We got to keep an eye on them. So hopefully, both parties are good, and in you know, you know. Because that's the other thing is that if he was indeed like feeling like his puke, that can be nerves or that can be a sign of yeah, concussion. Yeah, head, and, yeah, I've gotten them. Yeah, you know what I mean. So yeah, so, I would not doubt if he's not whatever upper body. You know, which is they have to say something to pull a player out of the game. Right. Whatever that means, whether it's physical or like just at that moment, like you said, he needed to step off the ice because. He just couldn't, didn't have the right mind frame to continue, you know what I mean? Yep. And safely finish the game or whatever. Uh, I just hope they're both all right, because that was scary for anybody to watch, but it is a healthy reminder of how fast this game is. Yeah, and dude. How, oh, it's Like, crazy. people think about football, but hockey players are the si same size as some football players, and they're solid, and they're moving fast. Yeah. Like, fly oh, even yeah. the kids, like, you see them at the rink. Like, this is... It's crazy. Anybody who doesn't believe hockey is a faster game now needs oh. to go to their local youth rink and watch how the eight-year-olds who play hockey skate now. Like, yeah. it's a totally different... There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. Our gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time.
back. Uh, that was a great, another great commercial from the store next door. Awesome people doing a fundraiser right now, I believe. So go to the thestorenextdoor.ca and be a part of that. Um, Boston Sports Journal's Connor Ryan wrote an article yesterday mentioning that Bruins head coach Cassidy said that the Boston club is not anywhere near their ceiling so far in the early 2019-20 campaign. And I found that intriguing. I find uh, Connor Ryan's stuff intriguing anyway because he hits everything from many levels, not from like writers like I commonly know that are very direct, you know, one-path writers, quick to the point. Uh, he brings analytics, he brings a lot of other things and so on, and he's, he's in the trenches getting the work done for the Boston Sports Journal, which is a fantastic, uh, it's a paid subscription, I suggest it. It's $4.99 a month or something like that. It's a great deal. But um, in the article, there's a couple things that I saw that, that really got, caught my attention, and it is uh, the... Uh, the Bruins outscored the Blues, Rangers, and Sharks. And I added the Ottawa game, but I don't I forgot I don't know where my notes are. But in those three teams that they played, they outscored them 15 to 5 and, and outshooting the opposition 108 to 72. That's impressive for a, a team that I thought last year needed to get more shots on that. Mm -hmm. I think I think this there's things that are being addressed that they didn't do in the Stanley Cup Finals now, and and it's being implemented as a serious thing. And I think that Cassidy is like really driving the horse on, like we might be playing at ninety nine percent, we can't be a hundred because there's nothing left to push after. You know what I mean? It's like you, you if you if you're automatically at a hundred percent, what are you working for? So set the bar at 99 and work for that extra 1%. And I kind of think that in, in the quote that uh, Connor Ryan got for his article, he said, uh, Cassidy mentioned, you've got to be smart about what you pick at. Cassidy said, I think our players recognize there's a lot of work to do that goes into it, and we're not anywhere near our ceiling. They're good that way. Today we did a little three-on-three -three simulated overtime. You work different things in. Last week we did a lot of neutral zone work because I thought we were sloppy there, and I thought we really tightened that up. I think our group is very responsive if you give them some something to back it up. Uh, you can't fool them with uh, if there's areas. Earlier in the year it was our offense. We didn't create many second chances to recover enough pucks to stay in the offensive zone using the D. We've kind of built some out some things again. There's always there will always be stuff that kind of pops up. In general, the state of our game recently has been good. Now it's about sh uh, staying sharp and developing chemistry. Now that Krejci's back in, there will always be little things that we can work on. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's always like that 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 push to there's always more. And I, I, I really respect that out of a coach that doesn't keep things stale. Like, I, I kind of get the feeling that Babcock's the type of coach and Mitch Marner and, and, and Tavares, they're all like, this is just a stale message and so on. You know what I'm saying? He keeps everything, like, up and going. I agree about Mike Bab. I think the problem with Mike Babcock is when you're... He has a good hockey brain, but... He doesn't know when to um, adjust or he doesn't listen. 
And I'm not saying that coaches should be ruled by their players, but I think you should listen to your players. I also think that there's a lot of uh, money in the Toronto locker room, right? And he's one of them, you know what I mean? And everybody wants to talk, but no one wants to address the real issues, like how Babcock doesn't change the system, about how, no offense, young kids, it doesn't matter what system you feel like playing in, this is the damn system. Everybody invest in the system until it is changed, you know, kind of thing. Yep. Uh, so I think there, I think... Cassidy's showing, I don't think it's just stuff to work on from the finals. I think these are things that the Bruins have had to work on all along. And yes, you saw some of those weaknesses come out, especially deep, deep in the finals, you know, when we got to St. Louis and stuff. Uh, but this is just natural progression. But no one in anything who's ever thought that they were perfect has ever accomplished anything because perfection isn't real. And if you're not pushing yourself, you have everybody you needs a goal or a dream, right? You, you can have your dream that is kind of unattainable, but you still need a goal. It can be a short-term goal, like we're playing better five-on-five, five, and that's happening. It can be a long-term goal about know which passes to throw when because you can't just give them away in the neutral zone because you're feeling kind of... Yep. You don't want to make those decisions in the moment or you, you're, you think that you're throwing better, faster passes than you are, and you're getting caught up every time. Change it up. So for me, I think it's just part of long-term growth of any team. Because uh, I don't really think the Bruins aren't playing like they're not the team that they are. You know what I mean? Like, you can see them improving, but they're pretty much where they should be considering they were Eastern Conference champions. And even though, yes, Tampa Bay, whatever path, oh, God, shut up, it doesn't matter. You can have the easiest path and still not win, right? We did it, but you can also win, and we could have, but we didn't because right. of, I don't know, fatigue and not working together that year, last man. thing. Yeah, it's you know, falling apart. But I think this is just the natural progression of the Bruins. I think that... They're working on all those things that we complain about 90% of the year. It's just they worked on them, and they kept, they had the chance to implement some of those two deeper into last year and yep. work on things that they were seeing. So, I mean, we've said this since the first, you know, the season started and we podcast saying, like, you know, they look like they walked out in June and then walked back in October. And yep. I'm pleasantly surprised at how solid that means, you know, because every team gets rust and uh, they had shorter offseason, you know, all – the two teams that play the longest always have that extra rust, but um, it's nice that everybody's on the same board, though, because, like, I think that's Toronto's biggest thing. I think the young kids think because of their name and their money and their skill level that that means that they should, like, all of a sudden just be winning, and the truth is that, you know, Babcock might be batshit crazy at times, but Babcock still knows how to win games and championships, and if we could find, if they could find a happy medium between doing it the new way and Babcock's, Babcock's way... They actually might get out, no. but please don't let us. I we're first in the Atlantic, yay! Because I don't want to play Toronto in the first round. I'm sick of them. Sick of them. Um, sorry. No, about, but yeah, good on Cassidy. I know you love Cassidy. His well, the, one thing I do like about him, and I've noticed uh, from talking to people uh, that are close to him, that are there all the time, and even the ones that before I had press credentials, I would talk to uh, with the Providence Bruins, of course. Mm -hmm that I talked to down there that was close to them is, is he always did things and practices to spark interest and have fun. You know what I mean? Like the mini three on three little tourneys and so on to, um, scrimmages, full ice scrimmages. It just keeps them, you know, you want to come to work the next day during a practice if you didn't have a game and you want to put in that extra work and so on. So it just, it makes it fresh. It's not, it's not repetitive all the time. The same thing. Nobody wants you're to go to work every day. You're not bag skating all the time. Yeah. Nobody wants to go to the, any job, whether you're a professional athlete you want creativity. or you work in an office. 
you need to break it up. So like in an office setting, yeah, maybe your job is you're doing data entry all day, but they have little birthday celebrations, you know, and let people bring in cake and take a half hour during, or what, take an extra half hour break and let everyone enjoy cupcake and celebrate someone's birth of their or baby. Or they buy and, one of those desks that you can stand up and move yeah. the body around. Yeah, just like little things like to keep people happy and different. But um, that goes though, like, I think one of the biggest assets that the Bruins have, and I know it's a little cliche, but like, they really are a band of brothers. You see it in everything oh, yeah. that they do. And that, I think, has always kind of been that. It's kind of one of the trademarks of being a Boston team, right? Yeah. And it's not, the Patriots didn't invent it. It's part it's the of, like, love, man. it's part of the thing. But they really are. I mean, even, I mean, I know what we're going to maybe mention, but even, like, you see, like, their Halloween picture or whatever, and, like, just how silly and whatever, like, it isn't always like, like, every team isn't like that. Some teams, there are cliques everywhere, and... There's little clicks on the Bruins. Like, you know who's part of the thing. But when they go out to dinner, they all go out to dinner as the team. There's not these guys going there, there, and there. You know, and it's, yeah. I, I would guess, I don't know, I'm not in the room, but it's everybody from Chara to Heinen that will be like, let's go to this place this time. And all right, like, whose turn is it to pick? Like, I feel like these are conversations that you could hear in the locker room with them because they seem like a roving, like, fraternity, but in a good way to me, you know, a little army unit. Um, how about Anders Bjork and his addition to the, the lineup so far? I've been pleasantly surprised with his, his production and the way he's carried himself into, in the game, more aware of his surroundings. Um, did take a big hit, kind of was a little concerned about that, but bounced well, right off. injured for two seasons. Yeah, yeah, bounced right off and got right back into the play and just didn't seem like it bothered him. So I, and, and scoring a goal is, uh, is huge for his confidence. I'm not sure exactly when that goal was, but... Um, I think it was Saturday. The, the Toronto game? Yeah, I think uh, it was might have Toronto been the game. Tuesday Toronto But game. anyway, I don't remember. Good to have him in the lineup. I love his speed. I love his talent. Um, whether he stays or not, who knows? But I'm seeing good things um, that, you know, they, they might want to keep him around for uh, in the future. Uh, I don't know if he's going to stay up here all year. I, who knows? It's just, I mean, it's totally up to him. If he wants it that hard, wants to work for it and stay, that's, that's good. But hopefully he figures it out. I think he... I still get a doing on the uh, whole idea of Coyle, Heinen, and Bjork on the third line. That's just a really good structured line. I think it is too, but I also think like Anders Bjork, as good as he's played, would also benefit from going down a little bit too. Getting more ice time yep. and being in more situations that he's used to and that his, like, again, we talked about, like, your goal, like, right? So on the big team, he's in a third, fourth line role, but ultimately his goal is to get him to be a second line guy, right? So he gets more practice towards those kind of things, but he can apply things he's learned at the big level and bring it down and maybe have even more success, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying, like... Like, now, okay, we're all set, send you down kind of thing. But I think he's still at a stage where he'd benefit from, all right, here's your look. We're looking at you. We got your eyes on you. You've been looking and seeing what you're learning. Now apply it more. In more opportunity to apply these uh, situational skills that he is learning uh, on the big thing. And maybe even help some of those other prospects that we're looking at yep. should be bumping up someday, maybe. I don't know, unless Donnie Sweeney trades them all away, which oh, if... Hey, all I'm saying is... 
I'm not going to be hurt if five of them leave to keep Tory Group. I'm just saying, like, in the future, these are five people we will not have to pay that much. We can get a bunch more Brett Ritchies. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't know Brett Ritchie could fight. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, but Andrews Bjork, you know, I like him. Like I said, he's a guy, he's just seasoned up. He's looked good, but I also don't know if, like, how long he can sustain. Like, now we're getting into, like, a Pittsburgh, like, Montreal. They're kind yeah. of a hot map, but they're also the emotional factor, you know. I'd be interested to see how he handles like the Montreal game on Tuesday yeah. because we'll be at the Bell and it's a totally different beast being in Montreal than it is being in Boston. Uh, either way, I don't, I'm not saying like it's scary, but like Canadian fans don't have much but they're Canadians and it's been, fr- you know, not right. as frustrating as San Jose. You know, they kind of know where they're at, but staying on the cross. always jacks it up. Staying on the prospect talk, um, a little bit of Boston Bruins transaction news last week. Um, on October 27th, Peter Solaric recalled on loan from Boston. On October 28th, Peter Solaric returned to Providence on loan from Boston. 11-1, Peter Solaric recalled on loan from Boston. So the up-and-down roller coaster of him going up and down 95 has been apparent. Um, and... Kind of made me tweet out something thinking that injuries are only going to be his benefit benefactor of getting NHL time uh, because of the waiver process. And when I said that... And because he's Peter Salak. And when he comes, he's Peter Salak. Whatever. Um, but uh, Dom Tiano, who writes for the OHL writers and fantastic um, uh, person of, of interest when it comes to stuff like this, tweeted back to me. And he says, because Solaric has already cleared the waivers, which was at the beginning of the season, they can keep him up for nine games or 29 days. Once he's hit that, they can convert him on a regular recall, and the nine games, 29-day counter starts over again to not need waivers. So that's, that was a little bit of uh, very useful information for somebody that is very confused on stuff like this. I don't tend to you know, claim that I know everything about... Well, and contracts are structured weird. Like, oh, it depends on your contract, your tier of your what, your year, how yeah. many in, did you play this and that, or this, plus five. Like, it's a very strange. But it's good to have people like that out there that that do know all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's good. I think that Solaric plays very well. I think he's a big body. He's got good skill. But... I, with the depth, I just don't see it. I don't see it in the future. I think that this is, he might even be somebody that could be traded as a leverage piece. I mean, even Zach Sinitian, how much as I, I really hate saying that, uh, he might even be a leverage piece too to, because they're on expiring deals. So who knows? I mean, the depth is, is, is overpassing certain players. You, you know, you've had your chance, and Solaric has had his chance a lot he's of times. He's had plenty of He's chances. had more chances than anybody else, but because he's, a, I believe, a uh, versatile forward. You can play the left side and the right side, whereas Zach Senishin's more one-dimensional right winger. Listen, this kid wasn't <laughs> doing what anybody wanted him to do. Like, I'm not saying he's not trying. I'm not obviously judging him in this manner. What I'm saying is that Peter Solarik does not fit in the system in this organization, and everyone that came behind Peter Solarik is about to pass Peter Solarik. So can we just let it go? I'm... That I felt the same way about, like, you know, how I said with, like, JFK. Maybe he's some just kid and he needs to work out some of the stuff. Cool. And he went home or whatever. Yeah, but he got like, one game. Right. 
But that's what I'm saying is, why do we only give that dude the one game? I just mean generally. I, I think, and this goes back to the discussion, everyone puts all these expectations on kids until you actually see what they can do, and that's not fair to them to develop to be the player you think they should be because they probably can be that right. player, but they might not be quite there yet, you know? Um, but I, that's my whole point is, why does he get one chance, yet Peter Solari gets a million chances to still not know how to not turn the puck over and things like that? Like, I just... That's ridiculous to me. It's valid. And it's not because I don't think Peter Salark is a decent hockey player. I just think he would benefit to go somewhere else. And he probably would fit better somewhere else. And there are plenty of teams out there that could use a Peter Salark versatility on their team. And that's just me. Like, see you later. Like, i not against him, but just enough's enough. If we're really going to stop pulling some of these kids up, why does it have to keep being this guy that hasn't worked up on any of the other times? Right. Valid point. A little bit of breaking news from um, blackandgoldhockey.com writer Max Mainville. Uh, Saverin is being released today. Fractured nose. Okay. Great well, news. That's good. So thanks, Max, for that. Appreciate thanks, that, sir. Thanks, Max. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, good. Yeah. Heal quickly, please. And... Um, you want to talk about the article on Ty Anderson? Uh, okay. The numbers? Sure. So, am I going out of order here? No, no. I don't okay. care what order. We're near <laughs> the end. This is the time where our brains start floating around anyways. Um, so, Ty Anderson was a local uh, Bruins writer around here. Uh, really 90, good scribe. Yeah. He's, I like Ty Anderson right on. He wrote an article, uh, like, I don't know what the name was, like, 10 numbers that'll shock you. What is it? 10 numbers for an outstanding October for the Bruins. Uh, and he basically kind of broke down the Bruins with... 10 different, like, kind of number sets. Uh, I'm not going to read the whole art, but whatever. I just thought that maybe we could touch on some of the points. Now, these numbers have changed because we played another game because he uh, published this article on the 1st of November. So, obviously, we've had another game in between there. It might be off. But uh, if you want to uh, know, he is a good writer, so if you're interested, to go, go and actually read the article. It's only a couple days old, but there's a few... Um, just statistics that are kind of crazy that at the time, and it probably hasn't changed much because judging by the Ottawa game last night, whatever I did with that paper, that 58.5% of the goals are scored by the top line. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. Half the goals. And that is with other, like, secondary scoring and picking up. That's crazy. That still, even with other people starting to get in the mix, the top line, plus Tori Krug, are your top four scorers, you know? I mean, obviously, Krejci's been out and stuff like that, but uh, that is crazy. Uh, had, you know, just pasta, had, was 12 goals at the time, but now he has 13, right, because he scored another goal. Uh, just the fact, like, through 13 games, the student has 13 goals. He's not just a point-up game player. He's a goal plus other points a game yeah. player because what do you have, two assists or something? What, let's see, I forgot whatever happened last night, but he had one, two assists last night so three points again last Jeez. night because he also had a goal uh he's crazy on fire um this one was interesting to me because i feel you know how i like dan heinen and he kind of gets beat up but it was like point uh point four five is the on ice goals against when Danton heinen is on the ice and that's the third best in the nhl and this goes back to what we said heinen's that player that's doing all the other things that you don't see two and way. that you two don't way forward. yeah that you don't Focus on, which I thought, and he also, uh, so we didn't get, we only gave up two goals. I don't know if he was on the ice last night, but he was certainly on the ice for two of the goals that we scored, so that must offset it a little plus, bit, you know what I'm saying? There two. you go. There you go. <laughs> so, pretty good. Um, Tuka's got 5.69 uh, 
all situation goal saves, which is pretty good. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are for last night, but one of the things I thought was good was like 80.4, 40. That's the total number of minutes that the Bruins have been trailing this season through the first month. Wow. That's four periods of hockey total out of 13 games. Wow. That's pretty good. Um, so those are a lot of second periods. Also, yeah, just, yeah, thanks. But that was the funny thing about the Rangers game, right? Because we've been playing oh, really well the first, like, you know, we we are chronically, we always joke like a 40-minute team. You just never know which 40 minutes that they're going to play. But they've been playing Very all bipolar. 60, you know, and like a little bit maybe getting a little, certain <laughs> games. But um, just, it was interesting. There was 10 things that the numbers have changed a little bit. But uh, I had jokingly texted Mark, we should start keeping track of how many goals get called back by, for the Bruins this year. And then one of the numbers was three goals have been called back in the situation room. In uh, the NHL situation room, right? What, what do we have to? We got two two offsides and a goaltender interference. Yeah. I think is oh, yeah, happening. Yeah, that's right. Uh, which again, can we just work out exactly how long you have to be offside before? Because so at least one of those goals, we were in there so long that it should have counted. Like there was plenty of opportunity. To, there should be like a rule. Like what is? Re- I'm not a hockey player. What is reasonable amount of seconds it may take for you to clear a puck? Thirty, a minute. After that, we're letting it go. You've yeah. had your chance. It's crazy. Let it go. But anyways, Ty Anderson, as always. Great work. Great Follow work. him at uh, Ty Anderson on Twitter. Uh, I would, you know, go. You can check out his work. He is around our local. So if you're not around here, 98.5 The Sports Hub, if you are local, Ty Anderson's one of the few people aren't just ranting and hating and causing mass disgruntledness amongst Boston fans, as if anybody needs to stir that emotion, right? Right. But, uh, yeah, that, that was an interesting article, I thought, that... Should break up because you know you have great stuff on your website, but there are some other people. Oh, absolutely. We also uh, we like we like to bring in and and and, and promote the work of others, um, not only ours, but those guys are the guys that work in the trenches. And and once we're there, we'll be relying on our own stuff. Yep. You know, but until then, it's we we rely on Ty Anderson, Matt Kalman, and well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. There are certain people that I trust their work. Yep. You know, like you were saying about. Elliot Friedman. Like, are you insane? Who doesn't love Elliot Friedman? I'm just Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman are my, my two favorite hockey people, honestly. <laughs> Besides you and Courtney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, else, what else you got, Heather? Uh, nothing. Uh, it was, I think it's important to mention that it was the week of Halloween this week. Uh, we are New Englanders. It's like the Halloween capital of the world, I think. I don't know. Uh, not that I'm sure other people don't celebrate Halloween it's awesome, but... It's the foliage, it's the uh, nor'easter 60 mile per hour winds, and you have to move Halloween to the 2nd of November. Oh, wait, that's just us. Um, so it was like Hashtag a, a good injury. week. So this goes, yeah, goes back to uh, just how awesome these boys are. So uh, we talked about, you know, the organization, you know, all organizations do it, but the Bruins are particularly good at it, and I think kind of led the way in the beginning of how organizations should reinvest in their community, and now it's a big thing through Auto League, which is great. Because all these teams rely on their fans and their communities and in which that they are. But uh, So the boys paid their annual visit to the Children's Hospital in Boston. And they dressed up as the Toy Story 4 figures. And did you see the picture? Oh my god, they are so... They just... There's something about seeing grown men dressed as like Toy Story 4. And just how great... Like even if like you're that kid that's a little too old. I heard, quote unquote this and that. Just seeing how silly it must be to see Patrice Bergeron walking. Well, like I heard. I heard that he was told to wear that yeah. from his kids. Yeah. And then 
for, for the children at the hospital, but he was also told to keep that on so the kids could enjoy it at home. So he wore that all day. <laughs> well, that's a committed dad exactly. and like Producer Berger, but, uh, a class act, sir. Yeah, so uh, Bergie was, he was dressed up as Buzz Lightyear, so... After 20 years plus, Buzz Lightyear still reigns supreme or whatever. 20 Danton years Heine looks so weird being Woody. Oh, my God. Yeah, <laughs> Danton Heinen was Woody. Uh, Charlie uh, McAvoy dressed up like uh, one of the aliens. Uh, Brandon Carlo and Pasto dressed up as Rex and the Pig, respectively. Tori Krug was Mr. Potato Head. Charlie Coyle was Jesse, the girl's sheriff or whatever. Uh, Krejci was there. Like, it was a good time, and the kids seemed to have fun and what about what about Matt Grizzlick and Connor Clifton? Oh yeah, those. Well, that was we were going to get. It was Jack and Brick. Right, so we were going to get to that. So not only did the boys celebrate. No, no, don't be sorry. That's All what right. we're literally moving on to. We're recapping the Halloween week. Oh, okay. So the boys visited. I don't know. It was Monday or Tuesday, but then like Wednesday or something, uh, they must have had a party. And uh, Zidane Chara, pet what? Oh, I thought that was all the same thing. No. Oh, okay. No, they were Toy Story 4 at the Children's Hospital. And then oh. they had their own Halloween party and Captain Z. I love how it says Z Chara Boston Math. It's just funny, honest. I don't have the answer, but as you see the thing. So posted some pics, and they were all Halloweened out. Uh, Bergeron and his wife were Wayne and Garth. Oh. Jack, we had Jack and Brick. That was Connor Clifton and Matt Grizzly. was yep. hilarious. Uh, McAvoy and a few other people with a joker. Krejci looked like a banana. I'm not sure. Um, uh, my favorite though was Tuka Rasa's Woman Wonder Woman. Like it's just because <laughs> all the haters great. out yeah, there. Wonder I knew he was a little girl. And not only that, but it's just it. I don't think that people under like. I feel like the people from the North Country get confused with the Russians. Like the, you know the Russians. Oh, they're very serious. Yeah. They're, Ru- they're Russian. It's not, it's like British people aren't like they're funny, but they're funny in a different way, right? But I feel like the Finns and the Swedes, and so, they're so more back. fun than people think, but because they hold their mannerisms like the Russians, they think. And that's you, not to say the Russians, I'm sure Russians are fun too. a huge like, metal fan. You see him like headbanging right. and a Oh my God, and that, his story with him with his little girls and yeah. their blonde hair, and just like, it's so funny to see them in the role. But anyways, they were having fun, and this goes back to the Band of Brothers thing, because when the goaltender, you know, whatever thing, and is dressed as Wonder Woman, solid choice. I too love Wonder Woman. I wonder if... He's old enough to remember when Linda Gray was Wonder Woman, as I am. Um, and this week, uh, Greg Rosinski, another great writer, ESPN.com. Uh, I think Fantastic you know, we podcast. can't say enough about their on the, ESPN on ice. ESPN yeah. on the ice with Emily Kaplan. Yeah, I love you, Emily Kaplan. You're awesome. Good balance with him. Um, but he, they do the... They do the power rankings, the 1 through 31 teams or whatever. Eventually, we'll have 32. I don't like odd numbers. So, okay. But uh, Bruins were ranked one. And, but he, the funny part about the article is that they also, like, described each team as, uh, like, a something monster, like some kind of monster. And the Bruins were ranked number one as the thing, and this is what he had written about that. The most frightening creature in the universe because it can d- adapt to anything. The Bruins defend better than almost anyone with Patrice Bergeron, that defense, and an elite goal tandem. They can score at will, too, with a Bergeron superstar and Pasternak and Brad Marchand. Shoot at them, rough them up, hit them and blow with a blowtorch. It doesn't matter. If you're both on the ice, only one of you will be surviving. And I just thought that was funny. But there's some of the other ones, like they, uh, the Capitals were like Godzilla. They were number three. The Avalanche was like from the ring. The Blair Witch for Carolina. Like it's just, 
I just thought it was funny. They must, they had to put some thought into it. Uh, but I agree. We are the best right now. <laughs> I love Paul I love Rankins it. when the Bruins are doing good. No, it was weird, though. I heard, like, I think it was Pierre Maguire when he was on the skate pod, and he said something about, like, he's got Carolina, uh, Colorado's back because he doesn't feel like, you know, people know how good of a team they are. I'm like, are you kidding me? Colorado is everyone's baby darling right now. They're the new Tampa Bay of, like, I love you too much. Like, again, not because Colorado doesn't warrant it, but uh, I just thought that was funny. I wanted to share. And, uh, again, ESPN does care about hockey, or at least Greg Wasinski does. Uh, Wasinski does. So, sorry, it's a little drooly. That, I don't know. What else do we have? Can I just say how awesome our goaltending is? I know we've mentioned it yeah, a zillion times. Absolutely. but That's not, they've, Phase, they've uh, had 395 shots thrown on them, and they've only let up 25 goals. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Just saying. I, I wish I was good at the math. Not that I'd I'm trying out. to convince the masses. The people listening are probably also thinking, wow, they're awesome. Right. Or not. I don't know. They're Boston fans. They could be thinking, oh, my God, they let up 25 goals. Just kidding. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, we've got some records. You already mentioned that Bergeron got his 500 career assist. Uh, David Pasternak also got his 300 career point, and at his rate, he's actually at 311 already, and then probably going to be at 400 by the end of the year. If he doesn't and his age down. has potential to go right yeah, by Ray Borg for 11-11. You forget how young he is, like because he's been around, you know. Uh, and because I am a fangirl, as you said, I would just like to bring up the fact that Tori Krug only needs <laughs> two more points before he hits his 300th point with the club, and not bad for a small defenseman from Michigan State, undrafted that. Is basically described to be like Donnie Sweeney, but he basically is Donnie Sweeney. Donnie Sweeney was a defensive defenseman more because that was his era, you know what I mean? But yeah. it, he's it, the it, Ivy League version. Right, that? he's like there. there so, yeah, exactly. Like, Krug <laughs> went to State and uh, Donnie went to Harvard, but Harvard. <laughs> kind of the same. But uh, that's what I got on that. What else do we have? Anything? I don't know. I've moved all my papers around, so I don't remember. This is one of my favorite news things what we're doing yeah. now. Three. Two, one. Yes, folks, it's time to go streaking. The Boston Bruins individual stats and streaks. Uh, honorable mentions that I'd like to keep doing. Uh, as long as they keep winning like this, I'm going to have a nice list to talk about. But David Pasternak in 13 games has 13 goals, 14 assists, 27 points. Leads the league. 8 power play goals, 12 power play points, 11 game point streak. Leads the league in points and goals. Woo! Absolutely sick that we have him on this team, and nobody else wanted him in the first round. Uh, Brad, Mar <laughs> Brad Marsh, he got overpassed by many teams. And I heard on one podcast that I cannot remember that one scout that was at the draft table while he was getting drafted absolutely pulled a nutty when the Bruins selected him because he was advocating for that guy. Uh, yeah, and it was earlier the in, the, in the round, so yeah, but... What's up, guys? Um, Just kidding. Brad Marchand in 13 goals has 8 goals, 15 assists, 23 points, and is on a 12-game point streak. Leads league in plus-minus with 11. With plus 11. That's awesome. Produce Bergeron, 13 uh, games played, 6 goals, 8 assists, 14 points. He's on a 3-game point streak, as Heather said. 500 career assists the other night. <laughs> Fangirl! Uh, Tori Krug in 13 games had one, has one goal, nine assists, ten points, and he's on a two-game point streak. Danton Heinen, welcome to the streaking crew. Uh, Frank the Tank will be very happy to have this guy, one of the best two-way forwards when it comes to 
numbers, as Ty Anderson pointed out in his article we just talked about, 13 games played. He's got three goals, three assists, six points, and he's on a two-game point streak. Go, but, Dan. Uh, also, I just wanted to touch on what Heather uh, talked about earlier. When Fan we, girl. No, <laughs> when uh, when uh, she talked about the uh, numbers, um, but Tuka Rask uh, in eight games is 7-0-1-1, a uh, 1.49 goals against average, a point. 9-4 save percentage. He's on a 7. Is that right or is that 8 now? Uh, I think it might be 8-game winning yeah. streak. And leads the uh, league in shutouts with 2. He leads the league in goals against average. And he also leads the, the league in save percentage. Your boy Tuka and Yarrow are creeping I'm fanboying. I'm um, fanboying. I'll admit it. 50 shutouts too because he I, only has a couple more. Right. He's got 2 and I think he needs 3 more. And Yarrow needs like 6 more or something. They're very close because like I said, they're getting their 500... You know what I mean? And they're, they're 500 wins, and they're getting their 50 shutouts this year. I can feel it in my bones. Absolutely. Um, and to uh, pretty much wrap up this uh, the program, um, obviously, Heather, thank you so much for your contributions this week. It's a lot of fun as usual. Can't wait to do it next week. We'll have to talk about our schedule because it might be in Providence next Sunday, which is good because the, uh, the Boston Bruins are not playing on Saturday, so... Might be an opportunity oh, yeah, if, if available, yeah. But yeah. I'll let you know. Let me check the hockey mom schedule. There you go. Pro- I Absolutely. Just, Have your people uh, call my people. All that means is just I got to we'll see negotiate. when the game is. That's all that means. <laughs> okay, go. But anyway, it, it is time of the show to honor our, our favorite fans and loyal listeners that financially contribute to the show and help us cut the cost of operating the podcast and the website. But shout out to Trippy Lockett. Uh, I believe, I want to say that's a, that's a girl, hope so, um, but congratulations on the, on the win, on the t-shirt, I'll be in touch soon, I still have to get in touch with Mark, he's out of the country, so we have to coordinate uh, our efforts on that one, but uh, congratulations, Sherpy, and uh, to, what happened? Let's go, keep going. Um, I was going to end, I was going to end. Well, I was going to say, didn't you want to say thank you for these people who gave us oh, lovely reviews? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, absolutely. I, say, I totally forgot. I don't want to cut you no, off, Cherpy, because um, I appreciate you. Congratulations appreciate on winning the t-shirt. Thank you very much. Go ahead. Okay. I just wanted to, obviously, I harassed you at the beginning and the ending of the show, and Mark brings it up on all the shows, too, but about uh, all the reviews and ratings. And when up to 93 reviews, we need seven more yes. to hit 100. 100 is seven a big Seven more five deal. stars, guys. Please. Uh, so, uh, obviously, this threshold. Yeah, wherever you listen, definitely uh, please helps. leave us a rating or a review. Uh, As we wrap up this week's Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 152, I wanted to first and foremost thank our listeners, whether it's your first time or continued supporter. Your time and support of our Bruins banter every week is very much appreciated. And hope you can all find a moment to give a five-star rating and write a review on podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show financially, we ask that you sign up and donate just $1 per episode at www.patreon.com slash blackandgoldhockeypodcast and get involved in our exclusive Patreon members giveaways. This is our ninth week. We've given away a Boston Bruins-related Fanatics t-shirt. So if you want to be eligible for these weekly giveaways, sign up today. Another great way to support the show and affiliated website financially, especially with the holidays coming up, is to go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on the official Fanatics banner to the right before shopping online. That Fanatics banner is connected to the NHL, 
but also for additional sports apparel in the NBA, MBL, Major League Baseball, National Football League, NCAA, and NASCAR. Again, we'd like to thank you very much. Sorry about the recent uh, audio issues. We're trying to get that worked out as we transition into a new studio. So uh, thank you again for the support, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace out. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out!